0: Welcome to the RuPaul's Drag Race Recap Show for Season Eleven, Episode Nine, titled, titled "LADP." My name is Joe Batanz and I am joined, as always, by one felonious co-host from the podcast. Pod is my co-pilot. Please say oh, to Taylor <laughs> what. Taylor, the latte boy.
1: What's so confusing? <laughs> I have no idea what they just said, but that's it's fine. Plastique that's saying, fine. I'm not Japanese. Oh. <laughs>
0: uh. You know, Taylor, I don't think, you know, for probably the first time in a very long time, I don't think you and I have spoken on all this week, really, have we?
1: No, not at all. Barely in text messages.
0: Yeah, I bet you Taylor's been happy about that.
1: Yeah, but we don't have time to catch up now because we have a very full show. Good point, Taylor. Good point.
0: I, I agree. This week, Brooke and Evie are relieved to see another week and Silky doesn't think she can do anything differently. The library is open and this time the girls read each other and also read right back. In the Maxi Challenge, it's a sketch comedy challenge and the girls work in teams to bring their best Reno 911 realness. On the runway, the look was face keeny fantasy and Silky didn't beat her face. In the end, a courier was named the winner of the challenge. Meanwhile, Vangie and Plastique were placed in the bottom two and forced to lip sync against each other for their lives. In the end, Vangie was told, Shantae, you stay, while Plastique TR was asked to sachet away Tell the Latte Boy named two things you liked about the episode and one thing you did not.
1: This week was tough. <laughs> mm-hmm. This week, I, I knew going in that this was never going to stay at the level as the la- of the last episode. Um, it, I was just kind of assuming it would be the lip sync that would not be at the level of last week's lip sync. But this week, it kind of felt... It was hard to follow in that the editing was really, really weird this week. Like, you sort of... They were trying to kind of direct you to feel things you hadn't necessarily felt about characters yet or about some of the contestants. And then there were other people that... They were praising them for things that weren't that great and they weren't paying attention to people that were doing well. It, it, the whole thing was just – it was a very weird, weird episode this week. Um, two things that I liked were I liked some of the performances for the LAPD. And the only other thing that I could think of was I like Cheyenne Jackson's arms. They mm-hmm. were fun to look at. Mm-hmm. Um, and his hairy legs, too. That was Oh, that's right. The,
0: you love hairy legs. I love hairy
1: legs. And at one point they were, where plastic is wrapped around his leg, I was kind of like – well, hello, nurse. Um, something I didn't like. There are many things that I did not like about this episode. The one thing, though, is the reading challenge was probably the worst reading challenge in the history of the show. It's so funny
0: because I don't remember. I think it's The Hollywood Reporter or, or Boing Boing. I don't know. One of these magazines, right? They would have someone who does uh, – it might even be, be Vice – who does a recap of RuPaul's Drag Race. And she was being kind of dragged online because she said it's one of the best reading challenges. The in- A.V. Club. Oh, the A.V., Onion A.V. The Club? A- because
1: I read it today when she said that. I was like, what? But okay. Yeah, yeah. so it was the A.V. Club.
0: Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, well, yeah. she was saying it was one of the best ones in years. And I was like, mm, I don't agree. Now, what, what, one of the things I want to do right here, Taylor, before we address everything you said, is mm-hmm. I got... A number of emails last week, okay, about the fact that Joanne Worley is still alive, <laughs> okay? Now, most of these emails... So, first of all, apologies to Joanne Worley,
1: <laughs> but... Who uh, was a devoted fan of the show. Who
0: was a devoted fan of RuPaul's Drag Race Recap. I made the mistake and I could have sworn I saw that she died last year but apparently she did not and so um uh, apologies I made a mistake right I make a, we, we do this show we spout things off and uh, I made a mistake yeah and I got we, we literally got a lot of emails about this most of them were on either Twitter or Instagram maybe via email or patreon. And they were all like, love the show. Hey Joe, FYI, Joanne Warley's alive. Except this one guy mm-hmm. emailed us at Gmail uh, Race recap at gmail.com.
1: Did you see this email, Taylor? No, I, I just I saw is it the one line? Yeah. Email? Yeah. Yeah, but I didn't see what your response is. He writes to me, he goes, Joanne Worley's still alive. And he goes,
0: geez. And I go. <laughs> Really, asshole! Sorry that I made a mistake. Everybody, I'm not mad that people point out I made a mistake. I was actually amused by it. Right? People, uh-huh. people weren't nice. like angry, angry. Oh, how dare you make a mistake! This show needs to be perfect at all times. So I just wrote something cunty back to him. I just said like, oh, I said first of all, I said we'll address this on the show, and then I said something along the lines of, uh, "Tip, what did I write, Taylor? I know you're looking at it right now."
1: No, I can't see it. That's what I'm talking about. The way my email is set up, I can't – I I can see some of your responses some of the times. Mm -hmm. And other times I see a title to an email, but it says this email has no content Yeah, because I have it all set up through my mail app on my computer.
0: So anyways, apologies to – while I bring up the email, apologies to Joanne Worley, apologies to anyone who was hard-pressed – because I uh, made a mistake and said someone was dead. Uh, for all the people who've never made a mistake ever in their lives, I'm so sorry that that happened. Uh, okay. So I wrote back, yes, we've heard. We'll correct it on the sh- next show. What an honor to get an email from the person who has never made a mistake in his life. I oh, bow God. to you, sir. <laughs> Joe. Okay. Well, why is it such a cunty email? Like, look, people, and by the way, there are people who made fun of me. But they they coupled it with something nice. It wasn't like they didn't have that sense of anger that this guy had. Yeah, You know, I don't know why a guy was so angry. Angry that we got to join Worley. Um, cut to his name was Michael Worley. <laughs> it's her son. Okay, let's get to what you said. Um So you really liked what again? Just in the, Cheyenne both, Jackson's um, arms. Oh yeah, Cheyenne Jackson's legs. I should recognize that when you. Yeah,
1: yeah. His arms and his legs. Arms, arms <laughs> and legs. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, and I liked some of their performances in the LAP, D- LADP. Yeah, LADP.
0: L-A-D-P. <laughs> um, okay. Um, all right. I have a lot to say about these, but I guess I'll address. I guess I won't address Cheyenne Jackson's arms and legs. So yay for you um and then on the thing you didn't like you didn't like the reading challenge we'll talk about that in the episode great 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 yeah. great all right very good after the double chanté, brooke isn't angry at being in the bottom evie is glad she held her own against brooke and silky says there's nothing she can do to change in the competition the next day rupaul entered the workroom to open up the library nina bombs plastique is forgettable vanjie makes no sense Evie's alright. Was Sugar even there? Brooke does well, but copied her Mimi I'm first joke. Akiria does the best, but loses. And Silky goes batshit crazy. In the end, RuPaul named Brooklyn Heights the winner of the challenge, which gave her an advantage in the Maxi Challenge. Taylor the Latte Boy. Uh, what were your thoughts on the cold open and then uh, everything leading up to, I guess, the end of the reading challenge? What were your thoughts?
1: It felt very... They were definitely... Telegraphing it in as far as that there was going to be an issue with Silky. My hope was that it had gone to the place where Silky. This was the week Silky got eliminated, but I, I guess not. But the whole thing of there's nothing I could do. I'm perfect. I'm doing exactly what I need to do. I'm not apologizing for it. And then got red to filth for her lack of eye makeup later on. You kind of knew that was going to be a a major part of the story. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't think of anything else that happened in that first. Other, uh, just, it seemed very Silky focused or at least that's where my attention was mm-hmm. which i know silky on on the surface i think silky would like that but not the way my attention was they're making it increasingly more difficult to find anything likable about silky
2: mm-hmm.
1: you know it's it's one thing when she's sort of this loud bombastic just over the top which you know in portions can be handled mm-hmm. but when we're starting to get arrogant on top of that that that's that to me. That's a buy. Like you know, you know, need help packing Queen because I I don't need I I don't need that on my TV.
0: So here's what I'm gonna say. So I actually rewatched.
1: Did you get a chance to rewatch the episode? The only thing that I rewatched was the LADP. The skit. Oh, okay. Skits.
0: So I got a chance to rewatch the episode actually. And here's what's funny. I have the. I'm, I'm so over Silky. Just, she just really bugs the shit out of me. Right. Mm -hmm. But I will say, and this will happen in several points today, I have some mild, I don't know if I should say defenses of what she said, but I listened more closely and I got what she was saying. And it's a little more subtle. It's a little more subtle than what we think. So, for instance, at the top of the show, there's the part. Now, by the way, this comes up later. But in the cold open, when... Um, asks, I believe it's a carrier, you know, is there anything you can change? Anyone can change about the judge's critiques. Silky responds. And what she says is very, very interesting because she's actually right. The first thing she says, she goes, no. And the next thing she says, but she says so quick, you could miss it if you're just watching the show in a casual way. Mm-hmm. She says, I packed what I packed. And then goes on to say, you know, talk about, like, basically, essentially, there's nothing she can do. And then she tops it with, and I'm doing really well anyway, and clearly I'm not talentless. And so you you gloss over it. But she's right. I mean, what else? You know, they give them a list of the outfits they're going to wear. You get your outfits based on that list. What more? Unless you have specific time to create a look or make a dress, what more can
1: you do? Well, that's just it, though. If it's a situation, take for example Vanjie. But Vanjie's okay. a good example, yeah. Van Vanjie brought the same amount of stuff mm-hmm. and had the whole thing of where she, you know, she's being read to filth on it. But in the when she started to panic about it, there is, as Evie said earlier in the season, there is there are rolls and rolls of of. Fabric mm-hmm. that they can create Something if they need to so if this Is a situation it happens to be working Out for silky to some degree That her looks are all what they Like and and everything but in the in A chance where she's gonna have to make something That could That could really fuck her up
0: i don't Agree i don't think the judges are liking silky's looks I think Silky's getting by completely on personality She generally scores pretty low On looks
1: Well okay but that Okay yeah I guess what I'm trying to say is that it just came off as arrogant. I oh, mean, that, that's the whole thing. Of, I, I think at the beginning, there was sort of that. There, it came off as arrogant, and it came off as rubbing your nose in it. Because, mm-hmm. once again, you have a situation in which, and I again, I know that we've got a week to process this, but and this only happened within the course of a couple of hours. But you've still got that where she feels the need to throw that talentless word out mm-hmm. there. After... After Evie just almost got sent home, yeah, which just kind of feels like a punching down
2: mm-hmm.
1: sort of thing. Even though Evie and Brooke had the amazing had the amazing lip sync, I think that it gets to a point where you you know w- when you're making statements again, it's this is my narrative is that you know they seem to really like me, so I'm not going to do anything to change. Which I guess makes sense. However, what I'm hearing in that is so if something changes, I I, I don't need to listen anymore mm-hmm. because I've already got this figured out. I just have to keep doing what I'm doing. But that is not necessarily always going to apply in every single challenge.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And that is when if she if she keeps with that level of arrogance, it's not going to it's not going. It could potentially not suit her down the line.
0: I think there's an element of that. Yes, I agree. But I mean, there is an element, though, of like. What's done is done. I mean, and, and Vangie is right. I I, mean, get, I don't know how much time they get to actually make an outfit from scratch. I mean, that, that takes a long time. Um, yeah. All right. Uh, what about the reading challenge? You, you did not like the reading challenge at all.
1: I think that it is time to retire the reading challenge. Okay. I think that uh, – I think the reading challenge should be something that is reserved for all stars. Okay. I almost feel that way about Snatch Game, too. Mm -hmm. But I think that it's one of these that the girl... Well, okay, I'm going to say something and then completely contradict myself. All right. This is one of these things that the girls know that eventually at some point there is going to be the library, the reading challenge. Mm -hmm. Okay? Okay? So much like we saw with Snatch Game last week, you would expect them to come prepared. And it seemed very clear that this group of girls did not seem to be prepared. For this challenge, there were very few jokes that landed, um and I know I listened to the first response this afternoon, and the joke, the precious joke, I knew that joke. It was where in I the commercial, like, that yeah, it was it was in a commercial, and I've also seen it on. I've watched a couple of the haters roast videos online, mm-hmm. um, and Trixie I think says that. Joke too. or it's, I know it was a Mimi, I'm first joke, but I feel like Trixie has said it I as well. I
0: believe I remember. I know there was this controversy, and you would hear it in the rumor mill about Mimi, I'm first stealing a Jackie beat joke. But I remember, and I think in that controversy, I could be wrong, Jackie also sells jokes for the roasts. And for yeah. some reason, I remember somewhere reading that Jackie beat had originally written that joke. I could be wrong. Maybe, maybe Mimi and first really did create that joke. But if I remember correctly, I thought I remember reading that Jackie beat wrote that joke and sold it to somebody.
1: Yeah. I, well, and I know that there have been where people have, they've had writers work on jokes for them in the past. That's been the rumor that it's not all quite so off the cuff. Mm -hmm. Um, it just—I don't know if it was execution. I don't know if it was nerves. I don't know if it's talent. I don't know. I don't know what it is. But it just seemed very much like it was either crickets or we were laughing way too hard at things. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I've talked about. Have I talked about on an episode of the show with you the, the Andrew Dice Clay video? No. Have we talked? About, okay. I will make this quick. So back when I was in college, back when Blockbuster Video was still around in the '90s, we would a bunch of us that lived in the dorms, me and me and a couple of other of my dorm mates, we would all occasionally go to Blockbuster Video. We would rent videos, and one of the things that we got into the habit of doing was we got into the habit of renting stand up, um, stand up like specials, stand up compilations, that kind of stuff. We would watch those, mm-hmm. and on one of them we rented, we rented it specifically because it had. Andrew Dice Clay on it. And this was back in like 91, 92 mm-hmm. when he was still, a, he was starting to, the downward trajectory, but this, he was a big deal at this point. So we watched this video and it's all of these stand-ups with the typical, with the curtain behind them and the microphone and the crowd. And then all of a sudden there is this like skit type thing of where he comes and he's talking to somebody that is clearly supposed to be either the owner of the nightclub or some guy. And the guy's got like two girls that are in like bikinis, like on like with his arms around each of their waist and dice walks into the room and starts saying all of these jokes, but he's saying them really fast. And he's like, just kind of like like going through them super, super fast. And this guy is doing this, like laughing too hard at the jokes. And the girls are kind of laughing because he's laughing and it was where it wasn't funny. And then Dice just kind of was like, all right, guys, I got to go. Puts a cigarette in his mouth and he walks out. Like the whole thing was like of this 90 minute thing. It was like maybe a three minute skit, but they had it where he was front and center on the cover. A lot of these, particularly Silkies, felt like the, where everybody was la- – because she was horrible. She was just screaming. Mm-hmm. But for whatever reason, Ruth thought it was hysterical. So all the rest of them standing there felt like they had to laugh at it too. Mm-hmm. It was, it was just not, it was just I not good. I got the sense
0: that they were laughing because they didn't know what the fuck she was doing. Like, they know her, they're with her, and like they're like, what is going on? I think they were just, by the ridiculousness of it, They was why they were laughing. That's the sense that I got.
1: Yeah. Uh, well, I, I, this was definitely where she said at one point, you know, this is the first time that I think I've ever seen pe- the readers get read back. At them where it almost became a heckling type thing.
0: Yeah, but it was funny, it was the same joke. It was weird. Like, like, okay, for instance, Sugar says a joke to Silky, like, you know, you're Silky, but you're this Silk has an expiration date, or this milk has an expiration date, or something like that, right? Yeah. And with the joke being is that you're gonna go home soon, and then Silky goes, Well, you have an expiration date. You're gonna go home. And you're like, that is literally the joke she was saying. And same thing with the Akiria. What are you resting on? That was a decent one back, but like, but it was still, the, it was the same joke.
1: Yeah. Well, they, I feel like there were three plastic tiara instead of plastic tiara jokes. And it just, it wasn't, it wasn't good. I think I, as I said previously in this season,
2: mm-hmm.
1: they got to do something to mix it up for the next contestants. Mm-hmm. The contestants are getting too much where they know, or they think they know what the challenges are and what they need to do to, again, I just have to make it to snatch game. I Mm -hmm. just have to make it to the reading challenge. I just have to make it to the final four. You know, it's, there isn't, I'm not seeing hunger. I'm not seeing drive. I'm not seeing anybody talk about how much they want the crown. You know, as much as I was never a big fan of hers in Mm -hmm. season seven, that was something Violet Tchotchke seemed super, super focused on. I want to be the winner. Not I want to be able to you know, up my fee for going into clubs. Not I just want to make it onto like a haters' rush or something. I want to be America's Next Drag Superstar. So like her or not, you have to respect that. I am not seeing that with any of these girls. They're all just kind of – they're there because they know this is going to up their publicity. This is going to up their name.
0: So what does it do with the reading challenge?
1: You like the reading challenge. Because I used used to love the reading challenge. The reading challenge was one of those things that I really, really loved. And there are are jokes from season two that I remember. Mm -hmm. I couldn't tell you. I really couldn't tell you anything, any of the jokes from last night, except for the ones that I'd already heard in previous YouTube videos that I'd seen.
0: Yeah, and obviously we're going to get to – uh, Brooke, um, but this is case number one of Brooke being a joke thief. Okay. Yeah. And let me make this point now because in my head, even though it's it, the, the joke is more relevant later on, but I don't want to. I don't want to forget it. Is you know we have an Instagram account that is um, managed by one of our listeners named Stephen Starling. He does, I would say five or four or five days of the week he'd he post those posts, right? But I do about three of them. Okay. Mm-hmm. And I will say, I would say about one third of the time, uh, two thirds of the time, it's just a, a post that I saw on Reddit that I thought was really funny. I would say I create one of three of them, and then the other two are Reddit posts that I go to such great lengths to make sure they get credit. It's on the actual meme. I mention it in the notes, uh, in the comments. You know, I want to make sure that the, the, the person gets the original credit, whoever came up with that joke, right? Right. And I didn't see any evidence, and this will become important later with the with the level five vegan joke, that Brooke had any interest in doing that. And like, so I really do. Now, by the way, she, but I haven't seen on social media her addressing this at all. Okay, I know that if no. if, if, if if I would have said this on the show, and they edited it out, I would have gone on Twitter and Instagram immediately and been like, "Hey, guys." Big props to The Simpsons that I stole their joke or big props to Mimi I'm First or Jackie Beat I use this joke. XYZ actually I think in the commercial Thorgy says the joke. I don't remember who says the joke on, on uh on the commercial. But the point yeah. is there's been nothing. She's just been quiet as if she created the joke. And it frustrates me. There's nothing more heinous in comedy
1: than being a joke thief. That's why everyone hates Lloyd Roddenkamp. Okay. <laughs> we're, this, this is actually something we're going to go back to, mm-hmm. this, this, what you are saying, mm-hmm. when we get to the looks. Because there was something similar happened with the looks this week that I've been following that kind of shows the juxtaposition of how Brooke is handling this versus another queen in the competition.
0: I know who you're talking about. I can't wait to hear it. Now, a couple of things here. To me, for my money, I'm not saying it was great. To me, Akeria was the winner, not Brooke. To me, Akeria was funnier than Brooklyn Heights. That's just for my money. I don't know what your opinion is. About.
1: I remember Akiria, I chuckled a couple of times at things that Akiria said. Mm-hmm. Uh, off the top of my head, I couldn't tell you when any of those jokes were. I
0: didn't say you could. I'm just saying of the, of the ones that were there was the best. Also, mm-hmm. did you notice... They didn't show Evie and Silky yep. reading each other.
1: Yes, I did notice that too. They did I, not I, show. I was going to bring that up. As far as I wonder if they either maybe they chose not to read each other
2: mm-hmm.
1: or what. But yeah. it, it, it that 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 did not go on because I was almost waiting for that. I, that was almost you you wanted to see the reactions yeah. because they've done that in the past with with other queen you know Ben and Darian reading mm-hmm. each other and with um to th- Thorgy and Bob reading each other mm-hmm. uh Aquaria and Cracker when they were still kind of competitive with one another reading each other so mm-hmm. to not show that felt like a, l- a letdown
0: mm-hmm. all right very good Alright, for this week's Maxi Challenge, the girls will be performing in an improvised comedy sketch titled L.A.D.P. It sounds for Los Angeles Drag Patrol. The girls will be working in teams of two in various scenes. As the winner of the mini-challenge, Brooke got to assign the teams, and she assigned them as follows. Uh, Brooke, Lynn Heinz, and Nina West, and they were doing Indecent Exposure at the Trailer Park. We had uh, Vanessa Vanjie Mateo and pl- Plastique Tiara in A Cat Fight at the Liquor Store. We had a E. Davenport and Evie Oddly in Twerking Girls Corner Disturbance. And we had Silky Nutmeg Ganache and Sugarcane in Back Alley Butt Pads. Alright, in the workroom, Nina and Brooke talk about their roles. Nina wants to play against type, but Brooke is too nervous to take any risks. Nina reluctantly agrees to play to type. During the table visits, Rue Paul entered the workroom and talked to each of the teams. Silky doesn't think she can top herself while Sugar knows she hasn't done well in acting challenges. Plastique is not going to do a Vietnamese accent while Vanji is going to try to give her character an emotional arc. Rue calls Evie out on her terrible snatch game and Acaria worries Brooke about whether Acaria can bring the energy. Finally, Rue calls out Brooke about her terrible snatch game performance while Nina has to bring all of her experience and energy to this performance. Oh yeah. And Acuria is angry that Brooke may have said she doesn't have a personality a lot here. Taylor, what were your
1: thoughts? What were your thoughts on the idea for the challenge of like a sketch comedy challenge? I love the idea of it.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I love the idea of it, and I think that a couple of the skits were actually successful. Mm-hmm. Um, I it's been a while since we've seen a skit like that or a a challenge like this, Mm -hmm. which is skits, particularly skits outside of the studio, Mm
2: -hmm.
1: you know, where they kind of had to do day drag. There is something slightly. uh, Not racist, but there is where there, there, there's like the jokes about hookers there's the, there is something kind of old school drag. Humor about mm-hmm. this, mm-hmm. you know, but I, I get you also. <laughs> that well seems to be still full of something for Rue, so um, I it was, I, I, I enjoyed the idea of it, I did enjoy the idea of it. What do you think?
2: Um,
0: okay, first of all, I want to start with a conspiracy theory. Okay, last week. I said, you know what? I don't think that this double chante was planned. It's because it was really genuine, and it was worth it, right? They it was deserved yeah. double chante. Yet the following episode, they need eight queens in four challenges. Oh. <laughs> Now, I was thinking about this. Now, hold on. Hear me out, though. There is a workaround for this. There is a workaround.
2: Uh-huh.
0: Everyone should know when you're doing television, or movies. Nothing is done on the fly. So a lot of times TV shows, not a lot of times, this is the way it is, television shows and movies have a very long pre-production period. That's when all the logistics for what's going to happen gets sorted out. They rent props, they do, you know, they set up locations, they hire actors or ex- everything, everything. They don't do anything on the fly. The only thing that happens when they're shooting is that they execute Everything that got planned in the pre production. Nothing is left to chance. All right. Yeah. Because it takes weeks to get that shit. I will say, I will say, of the four challenges, one of them seemed like one that they could whip together. So it could have been that maybe there were originally only gonna be three sketches. Okay. Mm-hmm. And there was gonna be a third person in one of those sketches. I couldn't it probably could have been the cat fight in the alley or the liquor store or whatever.
1: I was gonna say the twerking girl. They could have had three twerking girls.
0: They could have had three twerking girls. You're right. Yeah. Okay. But no. But the reason that didn't make sense to me, though, is hear me out. Is the other three had elaborate props. So the back alley butt pads had a car. It had the butt pads. Had all kinds of props. Chicken. You know, ironing an iron. You know. So that one was probably planned from the beginning. The the naked person that had a whole trailer and a set and everything, boom, done. right? Catfight in the alley. They could have just used one of the sets on the that on the lot, right? And just made look like a liquor store. Maybe there was an existing liquor store or something on the set, or maybe there's some sort of commissary.
1: Yeah, well, there was definitely a sign that was made called Kitty Liquors. Oh, really? Okay, that, so that, that, that was made that takes- for the front
0: that but now you could whip that together so i think you're right is either but twerking girls had nothing it was just a, uh, they could have they could have found a location it was right outside right outside the studio boom done instant they could do it they could whip it together that's why i think twerking girls could have been whipped together mhm okay without much pre-production planning but but or it also could be <laughs> they always planned to have a double Shantae at some point and then this one was just worth it i don't know conspiracy theory what do i know okay um okay we're, we're, but this so those were your thoughts on the challenge correct now what about let's talk about the moment uh where nina and brooke are talking about their roles and nina wants to play against type nina wants to be the person who's sunbathing and then brooke is supposed to be the one who comes out of the trailer park and then brooke's really nervous and so nina to be nice you know switches back to what nina
1: to the, to the play with type what were your <laughs> thoughts on that moment it comes back later but what were your thoughts well, I think initially you could tell Nina was slightly disappointed yeah. that she wanted to do, she wanted to do something that was maybe a little outside the box and mm-hmm. just the comedic value of being a larger person, mm-hmm. you know, kind of uh, kind of being this this naturalist. Um, I mean, I think that it worked out. That's one of those skits that I think could have worked either way, mm-hmm. whether it had been that either of them were the nude sunbather. You got. I mean, you obviously got Brooke kind of doing her thing with all of the the dance moves and that kind of thing. But I think had it been a larger gal that was out there smearing suntan lotion or sun oil or whatever on her, that 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 still would have been funny, and that Brooke could have played the the harried woman who's has this naked person on her front line. I thought Nina as as the the homeowner with the Reba McIntyre hair when and the the barefoot and Tessa Shent thing going yeah. on i thought that that was she did really really well with that but mm-hmm. i think either one of them could have gone either way it just given given brooke's recent uh failure at snatch game i can see where brooke would be a little bit scared but that could have bit her in the ass too that could have definitely bit her in the ass that they could have said you played it too safe
0: well okay you're right. I think it would have been very funny to play against type. I think it would have been funnier. But we'll get to that when we get to that actual, actual sketch. Now, you know, one of the things I want to talk about is they show, uh, uh, back to Brooke assigning the roles, they show us a, a shady confessional spot with Evie where she says, Well, obviously, Brooke uh, rigged it to her advantage. <laughs> right? And I was like, Yeah, dummy, this is a competition.
1: What did you expect her to do? <laughs> And she and Brooke could have been really shady and put Evie and Silky together. Yeah. Yes. You're right.
0: Yeah. You're right. She could have. And I also think of Shady, what she did, too, she should have put Vangie with Silky. Why? Because Silky's better. Oh, okay. Does that make sense? Yeah. But I could see. So anyway, we'll get back to the logic. All right. So now we go to the table visits, right? RuPaul enters. Did you have any thoughts on any of the table visits?
1: No, not really. I mean, I think the the really the one that sticks in my mind is where Brooke was kind of explaining why she did what she did. And mm-hmm. she she pretty much said, I wanted there to be at least one strong contender in each group, mm-hmm. somebody that I saw. I think it was online that there was a team Britney performer in each of the groups. So, and that was her, that was her mindset was that somebody from that, that's why she did that. So it's almost, she was going out of her way, not going out of her way, but she was trying to not be shady to anybody in doing that. And when she made the statement about the personality and Akira kind of made the face, I didn't hear, I, I have a feeling that Brooke misspoke.
0: No, when she, she said,
1: "Well, okay," when she said "high personality" to somebody that is a, she said something that it wasn't no personality, but like she said something like lacking in personality or lower personality. So, but I can see where like energy. Was, I think she meant like, yeah, more
0: like high energy versus low energy,
1: right? So, um, I think that was just Akuria getting in her feelings. Well, I, I s- that sort of feel like it was a, it w- it wasn't meant to be a read. I think mm-hmm. it was. Brooke strikes me as somebody that when Rue talks to her in these table visits, it gets very nervous. Mm-hmm. And as somebody who occasionally gets nervous and says the wrong words, that might have been what was going on with Brooke.
0: But here's what I'm going to tell you. What? This Akaria is not good at interpreting things clearly. She misinterpreted no. uh, Plastique's family in the video. And when it reported mm-hmm. it over to Raja, Brooke never said, I put evie with a carrier because evie has a lot of personality and Akaria doesn't what does it tell you about a mental state when she assumes she's the low personality one yeah no you're right brooke never said a carrier is the low personality one she's like no personality i'm like no one ever told you curry that you have no personality yeah. <laughs> she you i would have someone who would have been like oh maybe it's a maybe it's evie you know yeah but like she immediately jumped to that it was her
1: so i think well, but that that was a no win because if she had said something like, she said something like she said, then that immediately looks as shady. Mm-hmm. If they had, because you know they ask him about this shit in confessionals. Mm-hmm. If she said something like, well, clearly I'm the stronger personality, then she looks delusional compared to mm-hmm. Evie Oddly.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: All right, well. So. I don't know. Um, okay, I want to say a couple of things. One, I want to talk about Rue talking to Sugarcane. And she tells Sugar Sugarcane that in Diva Worship, um, you know, like, oh, well, you know, you weren't that good in D- Diva Worship, right? Now, Sugarcane wasn't on the winning team, but if you remember Diva Worship, she's one of the co hosts with Scarlet Envy. And if yeah. memory serves, right? If memory serves, Sugarcane was okay, right? It was Sugar, like Scarlet was going crazy and everybody else was a big fucking hot mess. But if you actually think of who was good in that challenge,
1: yeah. I wouldn't have put sugar near the bottom at all. She had huge hair, if I remember correctly. And she and was trying I, to
0: rein it in, if I remember.
1: Yeah, she was she was she was controlled. Mm-hmm. There was a control to her that some of the other ones just didn't have it.
0: So Rue's reading her for Diva Worship, I'm like, I don't remember her I remember her being if anything being invisible, but I wouldn't say she was bad. You
1: know? Well, but she was also sort of forgettable.
0: Well that's I mean, that's Sugar Cane's problem. Because wait till you yeah. see tomorrow's Instagram meme, right? So um, um uh yeah. Uh, also now this is going to be a bigger issue later. Maybe I should save it, but I'm gonna t- so for those of you who are wondering about why didn't we talk about the, you know, there's been a controversy Taylor with people have been coming for silky with the same, something Japan, uh, Vietnamese, the no, Japanese to a Vietnamese person. Okay. Mm-hmm. And we'll talk about this because we're going to have a larger discussion about race later. And also, this is obviously going to be a topic that we go into in some detail on the rumor mill where there's actually people of color, including myself, on the on the rumor mill, right? And I'm going to go somewhere dangerous. I don't want to go too deep into it because – but I do, I do think it's important, like I said, that we call balls and strikes on this show, at least for I, that I do. I'm finding some very problematic things with the fandom, and particularly with the way Akaria, and to some degree Silky. But it's tricky with Silky because Silky's really just playing a version of herself. Where, well, also Silky doesn't really come down on plastic that much. I'm, I'm burying the lead. Is, I don't know how comfortable I am with Akaria constantly being shown. I'll give her the, I'll give her this. It's the editors doing it. But with the show constantly showing Akaria criticizing Plastique for relying on the Vietnamese or the Asian stereotype character. When I feel every acting challenge that Akaria's in, she relies on a black stereotype character. And because that stereotype amuses RuPaul, in a way that I don't necessarily have the best intentions. It praised while, and now don't get me wrong, I think it's lazy for Plastique to rely on the Asian stereotype. Mm-hmm. It's no different from what Akaria carry, carry Davenport does, you know? And so right here, in here, Ru, what I think is weird is when Rue is talking to Plastique, she pretty much tells her, all right, you've done the the Asian stereotype twice we're done. We've seen it. Yet, later, encourages. So you know what? I won't even hold it against carrier Because Rue straight up told her she named three YouTube uh, viral videos that involve black people from lower socioeconomic s- standing and the things that they say. Right? And uh-huh. so Taylor's nervously looking at the chat room. And so... Um, <laughs> And occur- encourages, encourages Accuria to pursue those stereotypes that we see in those videos. So she encourages, incur- wait, encourages Accuria, no, am I saying that right? Ac- encourages Accuria yeah. to pursue those stereotypes, to blow those stereotypes up, yet comes down on Plastique for putting up to those stereotypes. And this is the first time we see this. it'll be more important later. But uh, I just wanted to address that now, and then okay. So there we go. So any other thoughts on the on the workroom, on the table visits, all that?
1: No, no, everything's fine.
0: All right, so we're good. We're good with then the the table visits. We're done. Everything's been said that it needs to be said. All right, perfect. All right, now you know. You know what? I'm gonna do. I'm gonna do something very unusual, which is weird. I'm gonna take the break right here. Actually, okay. So we'll be back right after this.
1: We're back. (laughs) Okay.
0: All right. Let's talk about LADP. The first one up we have is Back Alley Butt Pads, starring Silky Nutmeg Ganache and Sugar Cane. in Back Alley Butt Pads. The police are called over to investigate a woman selling black market butt pads. Silky does well, while Sugar Cane was underwhelming as a disgruntled customer. Your thoughts on this sketch, Taylor?
1: Um, well, I mean, it was a whole lot of Silky and not a lot of sugar. Mm Mm-hmm. And which is ironic, insert <laughs> diabetes joke here, um, oh no gosh, when our friend Mike Lawson hears it I know I, so I did that specifically for Mike um it, it 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 was a lot of silky, so I think you can tell how I felt about it it was it was just not it was not super good. uh I think that if Sugar had been able to flesh out her character more. Mm-hmm it would have been better if there had been a little bit more balance to it. I think Mm -hmm. it would have been a little more better, a little more better. Mm -hmm. Um, But I, I think that it was just, it was, it was, it was Silky being Silky, which is being loud, overbearing and obnoxious.
0: Mm -hmm. All right. Very good. Um, You know, it's one of these things where Silky did do well. Don't get me wrong. She was funny she sold it. She committed to the character. But, and you know what? I will give Silky that she made that sketch actually funny. Okay? At times. There were, there were some very funny parts to it. I think it's why they placed it at the top of the, of the four. But what I don't understand is why, maybe it's because I it ran out of people, I feel Sugar did as well as someone who's not trained in sketch or improv could do in a situation where you have a person who's overbearing and loud taking over.
1: Okay. Yes. yes I agree with that, which is why I think she was safe, which is why I think she wasn't on she the was bottom. She was in the bottom three. Sugar wasn't in the bottom three. Sugar was in the bottom three. It was Sugar Vang. Uh, yeah, you're right. You're right. You're absolutely right. Okay, let me let me rephrase that. That's part of the reason why Sugar did not have to lip sync. Okay. I think, because they recognized who she was up against. You know, I guess my problem with this is improv, and now I am clearly not a comedian. I only really know from comedy from what I've heard you talk about and from what I have just seen, having experienced various medium media with comedy but things improv is really kind of about give and take and improv is about supporting your fellow players yes is that correct okay this is
0: more of a lori question i've never really done sketch or improv but yes i know a little bit about it and yes
1: okay well that's kind of it has been my take on improv is that if it's just one person up there and everybody kind of standing around them then it's not really then it's just sort of watching a a monologue with helpers kind of thing so in that regard when you compare it to for example compare it to compare that skit to another successful skit which would be Akira and Evie mm-hmm. Akira and Evie were definitely playing off of each other and they were each taking you know where when she made the comment about Marky Mark and and th- they they played back and forth whereas any time Sugar was trying to talk Silky was screaming over her mhm it felt very much like with The Bitchler, where you had where it was Trixie and Milk, mm-hmm. and every time Milk, every time Trixie was trying to say something, Milk was and it, it was that it was that same dynamic. Mm-hmm. Do you remember that? I remember that very well. Yeah. So yeah. in that regards, that is why I think that I think if Sugar had been given an opportunity. I think she could have been even better. I think it could have been... She was a character that I wanted to know more about, which is talking about that she was the reverend's wife that was a widow, and now she had a young man and all that kind of thing. But then I think she became so flustered by the fact that she couldn't talk, couldn't flesh it out, that she became almost confused at that point. And it became very much where you're like, wait, what's going on with this person now? I don't understand what's happening.
0: Well, what's funny is, if I remember correctly, Milk was criticized for that, right? Which yeah. I don't know if that that episode Milk went home, but that was seen as a as a criticism for Milk during that challenge and uh but yet Silky makes RuPaul laugh. But this should have been a criticism for Silky for this challenge. That, I yes, agree. Silky was very funny, but she didn't allow Sugar to have a chance to have any say
1: whatsoever see and you keep saying silky i don't think silky was funny at all it was funny i i why why was it funny
0: i don't know why i thought you know she was just handled things so well like the part where the cop pulls up and she even says like Oh, another customer. Going to get that government money. I don't know why I thought that was so funny. When the part when she was looking for what kind of butt pads Fortune would use, I thought was funny. When she was talking about the kind of butt pads that uh, Cheyenne's wife would wear. I don't know. I, I felt everything that Silky said was very funny. Now, did it play into well, Sil- Sil- the Well, Silky. Silky.
1: Silky. Silky, Silky, Silky it. Silky sold it. Yeah and in that regards but selling it and doesn't and be, it being funny i think are two different things but i talked it about just this, felt I very think, silky to me
0: i talked about this i don't know if it was in the first response or on at one of the billion shows that i do about how there are comedians who can sell very mediocre jokes by just slamming it with attitude okay and right. silky can do that silky can make funny by just make it funny by just slamming it with attitude. It may, may not, the joke itself may not have been that funny, but she did it. Now, was Sugar, but how is Sugarcane supposed to wrestle control of the sketch from Silky? Cheyenne Jackson couldn't even put her in the car by his own admission. They had to like legit wrestle her to get in the car. Now that shows commitment on her end, but yeah. it shows you that like how, if the person's willing to like actually fight the act to not get in the police car, how is Sugar going to get in there?
1: Well, but that's that's the problem. That's the problem is that you would hope. And maybe this is just the way my brain works. But if you see Silky, if you see Sugar struggling, if Silky sees Sugar struggling. Wow. Mm -hmm. Try saying that five times fast. You would hope Silky would do something to help bring Sugar up Mm -hmm. and to help kind of have that thinking about. You know, while it was a scripted thing and it wasn't an improv, when you think about Bianca and Trinity, where they had to do the I'm a, I'm a street walker and I'm a working mom, like we're both walker, you know, we're both working women sort of thing for some commercial. And at one point, Trinity was having a hard time. And I always remember Bianca standing there and she goes, you got this, bitch. I remember saying that. Now, granted, that was just trying to support an actor, and it wasn't in the moment. But I feel like there's something Silky could have done to try to bring Sugar up a little bit more than she did.
0: You're right, but is that surprising with Silky's personality? No, and, no, what, and that's why I don't like Silky. Yes, but then are you going to extend that to Brooke? Because Brooke did the exact same shit
1: this week. No, and I think Brooke. I think it was. Uh, there's a difference there. There is why? a difference. I, I agree. Difference? Shitty on both. I agree. It's shitty on both sides. How? However. I think the difference with Brooke is, I think Brooke, this is not her sh- When you compare, okay, the difference is that with Brooke, I almost feel like Brooke got, well, let's let, let, you know what?
0: Why don't we jump in at the next one? Okay. It's indecent exposure at the trailer park with Nina West and Brooklyn Heights. In, inde- in indecent exposure at the trailer park, the police, the poli- I can't talk. The police respond to a call of indecent exposure. When they arrive, Brooklyn Heights is sunbathing nude. She uses her dance moves for some reason and works so much with the comps that she fails to give Nina her cue. Nina exits the trailer on her own initiative and the scene starts and then I don't know what happens. Brooke didn't live there. Did they make love? Taylor, your thoughts on now. Continue your thoughts here. on in De- Okay,
1: the- park. It feels like the difference is that with Brooke not being a comedian, mm-hmm. Brooke got lost. It feels like Brooke got lost in all of the stuff, whereas Silky, it felt more like she sort of knew what she was doing. And I think that Brooke di- maybe didn't realize how long she was going before she said the Q word or just whatever whatever it was but there there feels like it wasn't at, i I don't think Brooke was doing it deliberately whereas I feel like silky was focused on silky to focus, fo, silky was focused on herself to 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 she didn't she didn't care about sugar I think that eventually when when Nina came into the Nita came into the um, skit, they worked off of each other. There was no, Silky was never going to let Sugar work with her. It was all about Silky. Whereas I feel like Brooke just kind of got lost in things. And then once Nita came in, it was almost like a reminder of, oh shit, yeah, I'm supposed to be working with her on this.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. Um, you see, okay, I disagree with, you. I think you're being an apologist for Brooke. From what I've seen from what Brooke did is, and I can only relate to stand-up comedy, but a lot of times, especially, one of the most grievous errors you could do, as a, or, uh, or insulting, horrible things you can do as a comic, is doing something called running the light. So when you're doing stand-up, let's say they give you ten minutes, unless you ask otherwise, at around nine minutes, the person running the show will give you a light. And that like right. means you have a minute. It's not a hard minute. It just means you know the joke you're on, wrap it up, right? Yeah. Finish your joke, get the fuck off. Okay. Right. And you have comedians, especially newer comedians, who will, even though some veterans do this too, uh, that are like I'm doing fucking well I'm just gonna run the fucking light I'm just gonna run the motherfucking light and who gives a fuck about anybody else on this show I'm gonna run the motherfucking light I'll do as much fucking time as I want I'm killing I'm not gonna just get off the stage I'm gonna go and I felt that's what Brooke was essentially doing I don't know what the equivalent is in sketch maybe Lori in the chat room can tell us but I got the equivalent that she was running the light she got in there and okay Taylor's laughing what happened
1: Lori just made a horrible joke in the chat room I'll tell you later okay
0: so, I like how Lori's doing her own show, her own performance. She's, I you she's answering questions. She's doing No, whole, she's
1: not answering questions. She's doing a whole appearance in the playing. chat room.
0: Okay. So, anyway, uh, what Brooke essentially did, by the way, if you're on Patreon, you get an alert. It doesn't matter what level. You could be on a dollar Patreon supporter or $3. It doesn't matter. You get an alert whenever we go live. Mm-hmm and you would be seeing Lori do the Lori Rock Camp show in the chat room right now. <laughs> anyway, uh Lori Rock I'm sorry, Brooklyn Heights was essentially got on there was nervous, landed up doing well, okay? And so she starts essentially running the light, taking up the energy cuz she did I don't know if she's another, I don't know if this part's intentional, but she doesn't let Nina, she doesn't give Nina the cue to come in. Okay, she doesn't give Nina the cue that's necessary to come in because Brooke is also not a team player. Brooke does not play as well with the team either. Brooke. And that's the difference is Bianca is a team player. Bianca Del Rio was a team player. Brooke and Silky, as we've seen many times now, Brooke, I don't know, for whatever reason, gets a pass, are in it for themselves. There's no team player here with this thing. Taylor, any thoughts on that before I move on to the next topic with Brooke?
1: I I, I can see that point. It just the the energy with with the two of them felt different to me.
0: Okay, so now let's move on to them. Um, an even more egregious part is uh, Brooklyn Heights stealing. I'm gonna say I'm gonna call it stealing a joke from The Simpsons. At one point. Uh, uh, I can't remember if it's Fortune Feimster or Cheyenne Jackson. They ask her something, and she calls herself, now she says a level four vegan. She doesn't right. eat anything that casts a shadow. And I remember thinking, huh, that sounds really familiar. Well, it is, because it's from The Simpsons. Uh, I don't have my phone on me. It's like season eight, episode 12 or something. I, think something. I could be wrong there. But here is the joke. Actually, I pulled it from The Simpsons. Here we go.
2: The earth is the best. That's why I'm a vegetarian. <laughs>
1: Well, that's a start.
2: Uh, well, um, I was thinking of going vegan.
1: <laughs> I'm a level five vegan. I won't eat anything that casts a shadow.
2: Wow.
0: That I mean, that's literally the joke, almost yeah. one for a word, right? No. Mm-hmm. By the way, look, she's done this twice in this episode. Now you're saying, well, maybe. No, okay. Go- well, I'm not saying get mealy mouth like that. That's yeah. Okay, but the point okay. is later on this Natasha Leone. Calls out that joke to Brooklyn Heights and says to her, that was a really funny joke. And Brooklyn Heights just nods and is like, almost like, yeah, it was. Mm -hmm. Now, maybe, like I said earlier, maybe she did say something right there. We've seen that in the past, you know. Where the they didn't show it, but like for instance, it happened with Aja during All Stars three. I don't remember what it was, but Aja then went on social media the next day and said, "Guys, we actually, I don't remember what it was. I actually really blah 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 blah." Uh, from what I've seen so far, before as of taping, Brooke has not mentioned it. Brooke has not brought it up. Thank you, and so and so. <laughs> like I think it's egregious. I think she's a joke thief. And I think it's horrible what she did and she thought, and we're going to get back to this again during elimination
1: day how smug she is wasn't a big fan of Brooklyn Heights this episode not a big well, fan Okay and that's what I'm talking about with the editing was that this feels this felt very much like a they've wanted us to it feels like they've wanted us to love Brooke so far the previous 8 episodes and then all of a sudden you kind of get this weird like when that when Nina's freaking out after after they do the skit the as they're getting ready for the for the runway mm-hmm. and they're kind of painting Brooke as this like Machiavellian like scheming I think we're great I think I'm good like this really confident it it was weird I'm like why are they doing that why are they painting Brooke like this right now I don't I don't get it but okay I don't completely disagree with you on this there's just parts of it that I think that I respectfully disagree with you. Yeah, because Brooke is white and Silky's black.
0: All right, let's talk about cat fight in front of a liquor store. The cops are called to a cat fight in front of a liquor store. When they arrive, Vangie and Plastique are literally in cat suits fighting. No one knows why they're fighting. It doesn't make much sense. Plastique slips into a Vietnamese accent, even though she said she wouldn't. It's a mess. Taylor the Latte Boy, your thoughts on this sketch?
1: It was bad. It was just bad from the beginning. It was just a lot of screaming and. And it was just, it was just it was horrible. It was absolutely horrible. The the one part that I thought she could have really sort of sold it was at one point when I think Vanjie pours some of the milk out. Mm-hmm. If if plastic could actually lick some of the milk up from the <laughs> from the ground, that was really the only thing that I think, and it wouldn't have saved it, but it would have been it, she would have she would have shown commitment on her part. But I mean, like Vanji said, she goes she started hugging her hard started hugging Cheyenne as soon as she could. And we said that was the cue for if you don't know, if you if you go blank, just do that. So it was just it was really, really bad. And it was just screaming. Like you didn't really know what was going on through it most no of sense. the. I couldn't tell you a
0: thing what happened in that sketch.
1: Yeah. Do you know why they were fighting? Something about a man, but it's something about milk. Something about she stole my milk. But then you stole my man, and then they were fighting over the milk, and then it just turned into where I'm going to I'm going to be famous on Broadway, I'm going to be on Cats, but the other one's from The Hood, and it just was not – It was awful.
0: Now, let me yeah. ask you this question. What did you think about the – it comes up later, but right here, your thoughts about her slipping into that Vietnamese accent.
1: I honestly didn't even hear it. I I because again because it's just screaming
2: mm-hmm. and then at
1: one point she says something and then they show Silky and Akira looking at each other mm-hmm. and Akira making the, when all else fails go Asian
2: mm-hmm.
1: and that that then I so I watched it again today and that's when I heard the Asian accent yes I didn't even hear it
0: I heard it the first time now that the Sakaria look I'm I'm against all races today. What, what the, we're going to see in her sketch right now, who is she to say when all else fails, play up to the Asian stereotypes? Do you want to comment on this white man, Taylor Latte boy? It's oh no, twerking girls in corner disturbance, Karia and Evie. Karia, e- Caria C. Davenport and Evie are oddly are fighting over a corner where they twerk. They fright in front of they fight in front of the cops for a while before they both realize they're mother and daughter, and then they're arrested and they twerk. Your thoughts on this sketch, Taylor.
1: I thought it was hysterical. As a white man, I thought watching two black queens scream and yell at each other was the funniest thing I've ever seen in my entire life. That's kind of racist. I love minstrel shows. <laughs> <laughs> Jamil Zara,
0: a co-host. That was Taylor, the Latte Boy, saying that, not me.
1: I clearly, I thought it was funny. I thought it was. I, I enjoyed seeing Akira in particular. Do something outside of the box. We, I feel like you know, for as much as she took offense to the comment, mm-hmm. meant or not, as far as not showing a lot of personality mm-hmm. and not and staying very controlled because of the fact that she's a you know comes from pageants. Mm-hmm. Watching her kind of really kind of play into this and doing things was fun to watch.
0: Mm-hmm. No, look, don't get me wrong. Akaria deserves every sort of praise and win that she gets in this challenge. First of all, it was the only sketch that had a, whether you agree with how good it is or not, it had a beginning, a middle, and an end. Okay. You could follow the storyline. You knew what was going on. The characters were definitely delineated and well-developed. You can even say that for Evie. She was like sort of Mm -hmm. like a millennial. She played young. Like it was very clear who the mom was and who the daughter was like, for being two amateurs who don't do sketch it was actually very well done okay i will give them that and akira did a great job she had a developed character that was funny my problem isn't with akira doing that character because i just praise silky for doing essentially the same character it's for the hypocrisy for criticizing plastique earlier that's where my problem is. Akaria deserves the win. It was the it was the best skit. I don't know if it was necessarily super funny, but it was the best of the four. Okay? Well, but she also, they were assigned that skit, too. Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. But I think,
0: but here's the deal. There should be a phrase, don't sleep on a Davenport. And what I mean is, Akaria's been underestimated. She's a Curiousy Davenport. And Kennedy Davenport, even an all-star Stars. Three and on her own season was always, always underestimated. Both uh-huh. Akeria and Kennedy, there's something about the Davenport girls, maybe because they have resting bitch face and not a lot of energy. They are underestimated along the entire way. Okay, yeah. and I've then, seen
1: that theory be- earlier today on Reddit, too. Oh, really? They, 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 a lot of comparing Akeria to Kennedy as far as seemed like low energy, but then turned it out on challenges and or looks. But yeah, always remember Kennedy... Always, no matter what you think of personality,
0: always crushed a comedy or acting challenge. Uh Always so good enough. Snatch game, everything, right? So Uh uh, I think the same thing with a courier. Don't sleep on these Davenports, man. They will sneak up behind you and they will be so, so good. But on the other end, don't criticize for someone for doing the same thing that essentially you're doing. Again, like I said earlier, I don't necessarily blame a courier because RuPaul encouraged her to do so. Alright, it's Elimination Day and Nina is overanalyzing her own performance. Nina also feels like she was thrown to the side and left to dry when Brooke felt things were going well. Meanwhile, Silky is fooling around and not putting on makeup because the look this week is face skinny, and she is only going to apply minimum face, plus she doesn't think she's going to lip-sync. Taylor, your thoughts on Elimination Day?
1: The the silky thing, again, it goes back to arrogance. It goes back to that whole, I don't have to do anything. I, I've i got it all in the bag. I, you know, I, th- th- that was such an arrogance of, I don't, e- I don't even have to put on makeup to go out on the runway. I'm so confident at my job and so confident at what I've done and that they're just going to love me no matter what. America's going to love me and you and you and you, you're going to love me.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay, well, here it is again. <laughs> i'm not the world's biggest silky fan but she's right she is right and we'll get to this during the judge's deliberation we can talk about it here why would she need to put on face when she's not going to take her mask off even if she lip syncs vanjie did who lip syncs doesn't take her mask off
1: okay because everybody else they expected a full look and a full look huh who said that well, clearly the panel did. The, pa- the panel did
0: once they were all up there. No, but I think... And this is where we're going to get... I make Remind me to talk about Michelle during the judges' panel. She was really a fucking annoying me this week, this Michelle Visage. Because she's, she's clearly not a judge. She's a puppet for the producers and RuPaul. RuPaul just sits there and doesn't fucking say shit, right? Meanwhile, she's telling Michelle what to say during the judges' panel, okay? And the producers, too. So clearly... Someone told Michelle what happened in the make- makeup room, and then M- M- Michelle just suddenly decided to ask her about this makeup. That's fucking crazy ass bullshit. It's stupid and it's dumb. Silky's right. Why would she need to do full? You think? Okay, let me ask you this question. They said that this face kini was a throwback to last year. Do you think RuPaul was wearing full face uh, under that face kini last year?
1: Your tone is awfully pointed right now.
0: I'm not mad at you. Just very <laughs> animated.
1: I know, I was making a joke. I was doing an Evan. I don't know what to say, so I just pull a random quote from this previous season out of the air. But Rue had something covering her eyes. That's the difference. Rue had that stupid welder's goggle over her face. So whether, okay. she, whether she was, our eyes were done up or not, there was something that was taking away from the fact that she did or did not have makeup on. Mm-hmm. With Silky's mask, you could see bare eyebrow. At that point, there was no, there was no mascara. There was no eyeliner. There was nothing. When Mm -hmm. everybody else, it'd be one thing if everybody else came out and nobody had anything over their eyes. That would be different. But the fact that she was the only one out of everybody that came out, she stands out and not in a good way. All right. Well, we'll have
0: to agree that I'm right. Okay. (laughs) Okay. I want to talk about something else. This is also going in the in the column of Brooke is a little piece of shit this week. All right, is okay. Brooke is making fun of this Nina in the confessional for being in her head about the sketch, right? Because Nina's nervous because she realizes she is the sugar in the sketch, and that Brooke railroaded all over her in the sketch. And now Nina's like, "Well, fuck." i needed to do well in this sketch i'm known for doing well in these sketches and brooke just railroaded me in this sketch and she's nervous and then brooke in the confessional makes fun of her like uh nina is this always so in her head oh my god it's so funny she's laughing hysterical like a crazy person does she remember the day before when she was uh uh oh my god I'm, let's not play against type i'm really nervous i don't want to play against time and was all up in her head and nina was the one who was her pal and was like you know what i don't want to do that but i'm gonna do it for you and now the next day when nina's kind of in her head because she got railroaded by the person that she helped now brooks is laughing at her in the confessional and being a super fucking see you next tuesday what do you want to say taylor nothing why
1: i, I agree with you. you you made a valid point
0: Brooke. You Brooke, I dislike point. Brooke. I don't know if I dislike Brooke. This week, they didn't portray her in the most positive
1: light. That's what I'm saying. But then th- then they they tried, like, where s- they kept talking about how Silky was doing her own thing and they show, like, Sugar rolling her eyes and stuff like that and how everybody's annoyed with it. But yet, like, Rue is like everything Rue does, she, like, throws her head back, screaming, and laughing. And think of the Sugar as the funniest. It, it was a very. Silky, I'm sorry. Silky, it was a very confusing <laughs> episode. We talk, we have talked about how with the use of music, the use of edits, the use of shots, that kind of stuff, tells you how you're supposed to feel in an episode. And I left this episode not knowing how I was supposed to feel about half of the people that I thought I knew how I felt about them this entire time.
0: By the way, I want to get into this before we, we go into the Patreon sp- spiel, is um, clearly also this episode was meant to play in a bar and not home alone uh rumor mill co-host jorge muñoz told me that the bar was going ape shit for these sketches i this was me the whole time looking at it
1: so i wasn't amused yeah. all right that was me for the reading challenge i looked like i was constipated through the whole thing
0: yeah if you enjoy this show, you might want to think about supporting it to help us keep the lights on. How can you do this? Join us over at Patreon.com. There, if you sign up at the $3 Eat It level, you receive a brand new podcast in your own personal feed six out of seven days of the week. On top of that, everyone, by the way, $1, $2, 3 everyone who, who pledges on Patreon gets access to live recordings and bonus content. Let me tell you something, Taylor. <laughs> the yeah. Fatchler. Were you around for The Fatchler? No. So after the fat camp on Monday, Uh Evan took off because it means like the second the show. By the way, Evan invited himself on this fat camp and he acts like he's doing us the biggest favor being on this fat camp. He's like, I got to go, guys, and hangs up right away. Right. Mm -hmm. So Laurie and I hung out for a while afterwards and listener Josh Hedgepeth came on the air with us. Okay. Okay. I don't know how this happened. We were just having him on just to talk to him. It turned into the dating game. All these people in the chat room got thirsty for him, and they started sending him pics. One person sent a dick pic, you know. Uh, uh, people were sending face shots, and now John uh, and also Josh is bisexual, so women were sending him pictures. They want to go on dates with Josh. Men, everybody was going after this Josh Hedgepath. So next, so next Monday, we're going to get a report on what's happened with uh, all that stuff. All okay. right. That, that, that was an impromptu thing. So when you are a Patreon supporter, impromptu shows like that that just... Happened, happened. It was a lot of fun. We're, I'm going to release, for those Patreon supporters, I'm going to release on a Patreon when I have a spare day, probably Monday morning to release it. All right. So for instance, this episode you're listening to now is actually about 15 minutes longer than uh, for our Patreon supporters. Not only that, they get the episode commercial free. So what are you waiting for? Head on over to patreon.com slash drag race recap and sign up at the $3 level to get all this and more. That's patreon.com slash drag race recap. Alright, now Taylor, it is now time for the looks. The looks. Alright, very good. Now this week category is facekini Fantasy. Facekini yeah. Fantasy. What were your were you gonna go through the looks, Taylor?
1: Yeah. Do you wanna just go
0: through everybody's cause there's only the eight or Yeah, but we're you know we're at 142 now. That's gonna that guy, that, that time is not accurate. You're gonna get a, a different time when you hear this. Yeah. Um, so why don't we buzz through it? But yeah, do you want me to read them? I have them order right here. Okay, yeah. All right, the first we have is Silky Nutmeg Ganache. She came down in a self-described fly outfit. Uh, I gave this score a five. Like it you the- are
1: being generous because oh, I, really? I give this look <laughs> a three. It. Well, first off, it wasn't a fly. It was definitely a roach because it didn't have wings. Secondly... I think that was the it, cuntiest thing that Michelle said. And I don't agree. Go ahead. Okay. The second part of that is... It it had – it committed a major sin for the runway. It looked so cheap. Mm-hmm. Okay. She looked like she was wearing pleather, and it just – the whole look was just horrible. So it's a three for me. All
0: right. Very good. Next, we have Sugarcane. Uh, she was like a Victorian My Fair Lady face-kini kind of thing going uh, – I gave it a seven.
1: I actually really, really liked it. Uh, the seven sounds good. Yeah, I would I would definitely give it a seven.
0: You have any other thoughts on it?
1: I thought it was I thought I love. I loved the silhouette of it. I thought it was a very original for Face Kini where you tend to think, you know, considering especially the club kid thing that Rue did last uh, last season, that you would kind of think almost like a modern look of things. So to take a Victorian style silhouette, mm-hmm. I thought was an interesting, interesting spin on it.
0: All right. Very good. Next we have Brooklyn Heights. I don't even know how to describe
1: Brooks outfit. Like a clockwork zebra,
2: because uh,
1: there were clocky, yeah, there were gears up up oh, the one sleeve and oh, lot, I think, and I think on right. the one shoulder.
0: Okay, oh, okay, so, like, yeah. a, okay, so like, a, like a like a mechanical. I want because I'm going to use clockwork for Nina West, so like a mechanical gear driven yeah. zebra. Okay, I gave it an eight. I really like this look, actually.
1: And uh, I gave, I it, gave a, it yeah. I gave it a nine. I thought oh. that it was – I really – it was probably my favorite look of the night. And, of course, because, you know, Brooks white. She obviously gets a bonus point for that.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> wait. Oh, wait. Taylor, I feel like, Taylor, you seem pressed about something right now.
1: No, it's fine. It's fine. <laughs> I'm kidding. Though I did really like her outfit, and I still I still would give it a nine.
0: All right. Vanessa Vanjie Mateos next. She was a sex toy dominatrix. Uh, it seemed really basic to me. Yeah. And I'm not even going with, like, what Michelle was saying and whatnot. It, it, it is just, it was a six. I six is exactly what I would give it as well. Wow, we are literally eye to eye on this one.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> All right. Next, we have Plastique Tiara. She has no face, kini. She's sort of like
1: dominatrix kind of thing, right? It was reminiscent to me. What, what score would you get? Five. Five? It was... Reminiscent to me of the outfit that Aja went home in on her season. Yes, it was where, where Aja had the kind of the crazy blonde, like fried wig, and the, and the skirt, the, mm-hmm. the skirt boning. Um, it was a neat look. The, the makeup was interesting because it's sort of all of the makeup kind of bled away from the areas that you expected it to. Mm-hmm. So, as a look, I would give this a seven. For the challenge, I would give it a four. Interesting. That's probably where I got my five. Because I, I just did it
0: in my score, where it, like, it would have been a seven, but I gave it a five because of the no fist
1: Because it didn't meet the criteria of the challenge. Yeah. So as for that, it should be on the lower end. But as far as the look goes, it's a seven, which... On the one hand, had I not seen a look like that before and I think executed better with Aja, it would have got a higher score. But it, this, for this, it just kind of felt like something we've seen before.
0: All right. Very good. Next, we have a C. Davenport. She's like in a plastic surgery outfit where it's just. Almost as like she's like covered like a doll. like Almost like a voodoo doll, but she's covered in like plastic surgery marks that a plastic surgeon might do before they do surgery on you. I gave it a five. They seemed to be... Lot, the judges seemed a lot happier about
1: it than I was. I wasn't super into this look. What about you, Taylor? I wasn't super into it either. I didn't like... And I didn't like her walk. She kept... Occasionally, she would walk, but then she'd do things like she was touching herself and that it was really sensitive, so she'd pull her arms away. It was a very odd, mm-hmm. odd style. Um, I have seen a... Speaking of Michelle, I have seen a post on Reddit in which they they use her quote for that this is something we've never seen before. And then they immediately go to the uh, when Pearl did the um, conjoined twins challenge and they did something similar and she read pretty much the same look to filth. Oh, really? So, yeah, so it, it's some of the hypocrisy in what Michelle said. This show has, I saw this, that on this Reddit This episode
0: today. has a lot of hypocrisy in it. Oh, because you know yeah. what? I didn't mention this. Oh, well, I'll talk about it after. I'm going to talk about it in the part where we talk about this stuff. Sorry. Okay. Um. But, okay, the last
1: one is Evie Oddly. We missed another one. Are you saving that for later? Who? Nina. Oh
0: my gosh! I did miss Nina West. I, no, I, that was by accident. Let's talk about Nina. Oh, but you had something you wanted to say about this. So why don't we do Evie Oddly? Okay, and then we'll go back to Nina West. All right, e- Evie Oddly. Uh, she was like a sexy. Um,
1: oh, that's a that's an opinion.
0: <laughs> oh, I'm just, just what I'm I'm using the description they had for themselves. A sexy monster from the Black Lagoon. Um, I like the colors. I think I like. The, I gave it a six. I, probably, oh, I could be convinced of a five, but I gave it a six.
1: No, that's 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 a three. I, oh, I didn't really? like it. I didn't like the look. I didn't like the color combination, um, the lips. I get what she was trying to do, but she just it looked it looked like it hurt. It looked like it was hurting her mouth. And that then, then the, I'm distracted at that point, thinking that she's cutting into her mouth. And that's not something I want to look at. So no.
0: Now. All right. So finally, now there's a controversy that just erupted today on uh, the internet about this look. So why don't we discuss the look and then I'll fade out. We we'll go into the controversy. Nina West. She did like a Lee Bowery inspired, inspired Clockwork Orange look with a little bit of Mister Peanut with the mustache. I
1: loved it. I gave it a nine. I thought it was fantastic. I, I would give this look a nine as well. I I I that was this was this was one of the few looks that I literally went, ooh, as soon as soon as she came out because it was one of the things that I've seen a lot to describe it is very polished mm-hmm. as far as it looked very well tailored. And especially when they've been talking about proportionizing with her and everything, I thought it was a great look. There's something I love the look of a bowler hat. Mm-hmm particularly when it's used well. And this was used in such an interesting, creative way that it definitely was something that I really, really, I really liked. The only reason I didn't give it a 10 was I would have liked to have seen a little more color particularly maybe some sort of color like a pop of color that didn't go with the rest of it Mm -hmm. so even if it was something where she had a flower in her lapel that was like a bright like lime green or a bright blue or something that would have just been something that would have just given it that one little point over the edge it would have been a perfect look for me Mm -hmm. but otherwise I thought it was a great great look
0: all right very good now that's the look but we're going to continue talking about this look with a controversy that erupted today on the internet. Taylor, go ahead. See what you, give me your two seconds.
1: Yeah, finger. so apparently she, so uh, another queen of, over in the UK, Marnie Scarlet, posted pictures of herself from 10 years ago and pretty much accused Nina of stealing her idea of a look, even though Nina said that she originally got the look from Lee Bowery mm-hmm. um, from many, many years ago. Mm-hmm. And going to the place, the, the difference between... uh. Brooke and the accusations of stealing or the actual stealing of uh, jokes and stuff. Nina handled this almost immediately, not only where she commented on Marnie. Um, what did I just say? Marnie Scarlett's page, but also was quick to add pictures of not only Marnie Scarlett, but other Queens who have worn similar outfits and made them all as sort of a little portfolio on Instagram mm-hmm. and said, it was, you know, it was never my intention You know, I think it's great that we've all been inspired by Lee Bowery, and she said it in a way that should come as no surprise to anybody who is a fan of Nina. That it seemed very, very gracious, very, you know, not trying to get defensive, just kind of very open as far as that. This was this is what I was going for. Mm -hmm. I definitely see the similarities. You know, please everybody support not only Marnie Scarlet but other creative queens that have gone to the same way. So I thought, considering everything we've seen about Brooke and Brooke's lack of comments on mm-hmm. jokes that she's she's used to see this, I think was it was it was a definite juxtaposition.
0: Um, yeah, and you know, to to kind of talk about what you were saying earlier. I think Nina West did a really, really good job addressing it. And it's good that she addressed it. Someone in the chat room was saying, oh, come on, Joe. Um, they're Brooks, a drag queen. Why do you expect them to have original jokes? Uh, that doesn't make any sense, right? Like, it's the same thing here. Wouldn't you, Couldn't you, in theory, say the same thing here? Like, oh, come on, Joe, they're drag queens. How can you expect them to have original looks? And there's a difference between being inspired by something and then outright stealing it. And even Nina, you said, uh, admitted, and we're well not even admitted, but like you know, gave Lee Bowery the credit for the inspiration. I don't mind being inspired, but at least give the person credit. Like I told you, I literally rip off the jokes. It's literally, I take the person's joke from Reddit and I put it on Instagram. However, I give them credit. That's the yeah. problem: is they don't give, Brooke did not give credit. They, at least not what we saw on the show. And she hasn't gone to social media and said the same thing and said like, yeah, I did do that. Right. Okay. Uh, well, good on Brooke. And also Shay a I think you, you mentioned this
1: uh, uh, came to her defense and yes, i I saw yeah, that yeah, on Reddit earlier yeah. as well.
0: So uh, Luke Stammen says, Nina is a class act. She sure is. Okay. Um, let us move on. On the main stage, Michelle is problematic while Evie and Nina were immediately called safe and sent backstage. A and Brooke were high. Like, placed high. They weren't actually, like, high. <laughs> Silky was somewhere in the middle. Sugar, Plastique, and Vanjie were low. After the deliberations, Akaria was named the winner of the challenge, while Plastique and Vanjie were forced to go head-to-head in a lip-sync battle for their lives. The song? Hoot Boy by Fantasia Barino. In the end, Vanjie lived to see another day, while Plastique Tiara was asked to sashay away Taylor the Latte Boy any final thoughts on
1: the episode. We had a double Shantae you stay last week. Mm-hmm. This could have easily been a double sachet away. Yeah, that's would have been the one for to both do it, it. You're right. Yeah, it was not. Talk about a forgettable, forgettable. So- I've never heard that song in my life. It was an annoying song. It, neither one of them were very good. Um, you can definitely see where Vanji had the advantage between the two. Mm -hmm. Because also with that, Vanjie also was able to emote a little bit more and with a mask on as compared to Plastique who had taken the, taken the mask off mask. I use that in rabbit ears. um, Just very not good, just not, Mm -hmm. not good. But I, I went into this figuring there's no way they're going to have lip syncs at the level of last week's two weeks in a row, but that went from a lip sync that was like a 10 to a lip sync that was like a two. Mm-hmm. I was figuring, oh, this week's lip sync will be like a seven or an eight. Mm-hmm. No, it it plummeted. I can't imagine. I, I don't know who's going home next. I don't know the order of the people. Like, I know you know who's going home, who, when, and all that kind of stuff. I can't see Vanjie lasting much longer. And I don't want you to make some statement of, I guess we'll find it. I don't, I don't want you to say anything. It's just, uh, she's losing her luster for me.
0: I'm giving, I'm giving Taylor the most stone cold. Yes, I'm giving, I'm I'm getting, giving you resting any- bitch face from Joe. right Yeah, now. RBF. Because I don't want to give. I don't want to tip my hand on anything. All right. So anyway, um. All right. Very, look, that you're entitled to that opinion. Very good. I mean, I don't. Dis- I don't disagree. I think I'll be I'll be honest with you. I don't. I think Vanji has gotten a pass a lot on this season. I think the pass is starting to run out.
1: Yeah. yeah. Well, it feels like the, It almost feels like they've kept her around because there's no way Rue was going to take the chance of bringing back this one episode queen from last season and only have her last two or three episodes.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Okay. Well,
0: and- uh, up until now, though, I think Vanjie has
1: made a case to be there. No, we're, we're, and no. I agree with that. But I, she hasn't made a case for me to be top four. No, no, you're right. I agree. With so let you. alone the crown.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You I, know, don't, I, don't, I, I, I just feel like her time is, is, is running out. All right. Very good.
0: Uh, any other thoughts on this episode?
1: Just not the, the the untucked was. That's 30 minutes of my life I'll never get back. I turned it off. Yeah, I figured at one point I was waiting to get the text message of you saying if there's something I need to know. But I got about halfway through and thought, no, this is OK. This was another one of these episodes where I at one point we we had an Internet problem um, where all of a sudden the show like kind of paused for a second. So we had to like leave the show and then come back in. And it said something like. One hour, seven minutes left, because I guess it included that and untucked all together as oh, yeah. one big thing on direct mm-hmm. TV. And I went, That's that's gotta be wrong. It can't only be 953. And looked at my phone and was like, You've gotta be fucking kidding. Like this is ridiculous that it just that it was an episode that just took forever. What did you think of Cheyenne Jackson and Fortune Themester? I, well, you know, I
0: talked about this yesterday on the first response, but Fortune Beamster I thought was a really, really, really good judge to have on there. Because, yes. Because, you know, I don't know why they didn't play this up, but she is a very, very experienced, uh, sketch comedian. She knows her fucking shit. It, she's in the Sunday company for the Groundlings, which is one of the, if not the most prestigious, you know, sketch groups in the country. And uh, you don't just get there resting on your laurels. I mean, they have a really good taste. I mean, they rejected Lori Roggenkamp. So, uh, <laughs> but, no, but, no, no actually, not, to speak to Lori Roggenkamp, I, I said this on the show, very, 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 very funny, famous people have been rejected by the Sunday company. They only have so <laughs> many spots. Yeah. And so uh, Fortune is very funny. I think she was a good person to have on there, had really good insight. Cheyenne Jackson was surprisingly very good, Hold his, held his own, showed his acting chops. We forget that Cheyenne Jackson is actually a respected actor with Broadway experience. And usually when you're an actor, you do take some sort of m- improv and sketch comedy to kind of bone up those uh,
1: those skills. And uh, I actually thought Natasha Leon was very good too. Yeah. I, I've never been a really big fan of hers, but I enjoyed her as a judge.
0: Yeah. Uh, yeah, I thought all the judges did a great job, and I thought they, on the sketches they did. A, they, I was thinking Fortune and Cheyenne could easily have been on Reno Nine One One. Yeah, for real. Yeah. Um, okay, you know, I got a very nice email from someone who pointed out that they said essentially, you know, speaking of hypocrisy, uh, the person's name is. Where are you? Why can't I find you? Evan oh, Ayers. Samantha. Samantha, a woman named Samantha wrote uh, a very nice email where she was saying that there is hypocrisy because speaking about Brooke stealing jokes, that uh, Manila Luzon in episode eight of season three was actually put in the bottom two for your favorite lip sync because in that comedy challenge, the judges thought her jokes weren't very original. I went back and watched it. It's not the same. They didn't accuse Manila of stealing the jokes. I think they were more accusing her of having like hacky jokes. You know, like overdone jokes that we've all heard a million times, grown worthy jokes. So it wasn't yeah. quite stealing it and not giving credit. It was just more for doing hacky jokes. Um, okay, and I also want to address something else that I'll probably address in depth on the rumor mill. But before we do Taylor, and I know you, everyone should know I've known Taylor for a long time. I've been doing podcasts with him for a long time. You seem pressed. What is going on? Share your feelings.
1: There's, not, there's nothing to share. I... I I feel, I feel certain ways about things. No, well, that that sounds that doesn't sound the way I mean it does. But when th- when things are, when, when race comes up on this show, mm-hmm. it makes me nervous. It makes me nervous, and I don't necessarily like talking about it because I get that. I I. I just don't I just don't like talking about it. That's all.
0: Well th- look, I'm gonna use we and I've never had a private conversation about this, but if I had to guess <laughs> I So get, I'm glad we're doing this now publicly with Yeah, proof of I people. get the, well you don't engage. I get the sense that you feel now I could be totally putting words in your mouth mm-hmm. that you feel as a white man you do not have a not that you don't have an opinion on race, but that you aren't you are not allowed a platform to share your opinions on race. Is this true? To a degree. But to I would degree. say, as the president of people of color, <laughs> that I think... No, I can only speak for myself. I think what people of color... At least for me... I know there are people of color who would be like, no, white people can never talk on race. For me, personally, it's when you get into white... you. When people get into white-splaining that it becomes problematic. But... Uh, but if you have thoughts that it doesn't go into white spleen, I don't think you should be afraid whatsoever.
1: Well, okay. I I appreciate that. And I Okay. Yeah, unless
0: unless you start to comment with you people, <laughs> you know, I think I think <laughs> Or, or those, those people. Or those people. Because I'm gonna get into race right now again. And I would love for you to engage, but if you're too nervous, that's fine. No, go ahead, it's fine. <laughs> This Michelle Visage, she can go fuck herself, right? Okay. Because she... Plastique says... Now, I'm not saying whether Plastique is lying. I'm not saying whether Plastique is telling the truth. But on this main stage, Plastique Tiara says, that is my real accent. And Michelle tells her, no, it's not. Who the fuck are you, Michelle Visage, right? Because you don't think... Uh, British people, uh, um, when they when they're doing an accent, you know it, it, it there, and especially when you are a, a a person of a certain race, especially with a th- strong accent that you have been um, uh, made fun of your whole life, you learn to hide it or try to hide it to try and pass. And so even now, Plastique has a slight accent, but. One could make the argument, and I'm not saying this is true or not. I'm just saying the only person who really knows is Plastique. Yeah. And for Michelle to sit there and say, no, that is not true, what the fuck does she know, right? Yeah. And I think that was offensive to not accept Plastique at her work. Now, look, it could turn out that Plastique is lying. I'm not saying Plastique's telling the truth, right? And maybe Mm -hmm. Plastique... And I and I'll be honest with you. I do think now, I do think there is a possibility that Plastique is putting on a white voice for the show because she doesn't want to have that thick Vietnamese accent on the show. But I do also think that she did that joke as a joke. She was flound- floundering in the sketch and she went to the easy joke with the with the, with the accent. She just did it. Yeah, Vanjie was I'm not going to start from a ten and start it from a ten. Right, so. Yeah. I do think that, but I think it's a very complicated situation. But it, what I'm offended by is Michelle telling a person who's Asian what the, what their background is, what they're doing, whether they're doing it or not. She just, the truth is, she doesn't know, you know? And what, yeah. you know, and Michelle actually, I really liked what Michelle said at one point. Michelle said uh, that a difference between Asian stereotype versus Asian pride. But my question, and it still applies, is why can't this? Applied to the other people of color on this show, too. I just sort of feel, and I'm not coming down on black people or Latinos or any other race, but I do feel Asians have a very, very, very tough time on this show. And to come down on an Asian person and tell them the difference between Asian pride and Asian
1: stereotype.
0: You know, I was It's telling a
1: privileged you, statement. It's it's very much a, a statement of somebody of privilege.
0: It, and, and actually, it, 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 I didn't mean this. I just realized it right now. It's the kind of conversation where I was saying, unless you go into this territory, that's when you get into dangerous territory. Michelle Visage, in this case, is the prime example of, I'm going to white-splain to you how you are. No, I'm not saying she's wrong. I'm just saying, it's none of your fucking business. <laughs> Like, yeah. why are you to lecture her from your judge's table? That would be as if, like, I lectured her about how she thinks that crystals will solve your diseases, you know? Yeah. So uh, that's sort of my problem with what Michelle said, and she can officially go fuck herself. I know there are a lot of Michelle fans. Um, the email address is allrightmary at com. <laughs> Feel free to send all your... you're hate uh, there. Uh Taylor, is there anything else for this episode that you want to talk about?
1: No. No, I, I think we've I think we've talked a lot about a subpar episode. We've kind of beat this one to death.
0: Well, there were a lot of topics. By the way, I do recognize that we didn't talk about the whole controversy with pla- uh, uh Silky speaking in uh Japanese to a Vietnamese person and all this drama. Look, at the end of the day, Uh, Plastique didn't seem to have a problem with it She was laughing along Silky was fine Everyone should mind their own fucking business Um, Alright Do you have any thoughts on that Taylor?
1: No I do
0: not (laughs) Okay well then that's going to conclude This week's episode of RuPaul's Drag Race Recap Join us next week and every week As we continue to discuss, dissect, and deconstruct Each brand new episode Of RuPaul's Drag Race Season 11 So for Taylor the Latte Boy And myself sashay away
1: until next week
0: want to share your thoughts about drag race email us at drag race recap at gmail.com For up-to-the-minute news about the show, follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Drag Race Recap. You can also follow us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Drag Race Recap. For bonus content and to support the show, head over to Patreon.com slash Drag Race Recap. Taylor has his own podcast. It's called Pod Is My co and you can find it at podismycopilot.com or wherever you get your podcasts. You can follow Taylor on Twitter and Instagram at P-I-M-C Taylor. Follow Joe BaTance on Instagram and Twitter at Joe Batanz. That's B-E-T-A-N-C-E. The outro music was written by Lucian Piani and arranged and performed by Alex Lefebvre. You can find Alex Lefebvre on Instagram at AlexLefebvreMusic. To find all of our old episodes, visit our website at dragracerecap.com. You can also find other Afterthought Media shows like Hello Uglies at hellouglies.com and Catching Up at catchinguppodcast.com. Drag Race Recap is an Afterthought
2: Media production.